curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Today's guest is many things. He's a marathon runner. He's a hurricane survivor. He's the curator of the online 18 in the promotional products industry and a weekly roundup of interesting articles you can find via Twitter. He was Jesse in the hit internet short Breaking Through, but the job that pays the bills is Chief Information Officer at Geiger. Please welcome Dale Denham to the podcast. Welcome, Dale. Thank you very much, and uh, I sure hope that Breaking Through thing uh, pays off one of these days in some royalties. It would be very nice. Well, I think I owe you at least a nickel. (laughs) Well, I'll take it. There you go. It's always good to have another paying gig, right? That's right. Every nickel counts. We have four children. No doubt. No doubt. So today we're going to talk about customer relationship management tools, better known by their acronym CRM. These kinds of tools have been around for years, but only recently have changes in the landscape of offerings presented the opportunity for small businesses to consider joining the fray and getting their businesses onto a CRM platform. Dale has a ton of experience with these tools, so I thought, who better to invite onto the podcast for a conversation about this topic? So no pressure, Dale. All right. Well, I'll I'll step up if I can. There you go. So let's get into it. Dale, let's talk about typically uh, motivations. Motivations to do things that more often than not are presented by pain, and this is no different. Let's think a little bit. Let's talk about when... Uh, what kinds of pain might people be in that would be the motivation to have them consider ju- jumping in and getting into a CRM tool? Yeah, well, first of all, I think you're exactly right that, that you actually want to feel some pain before you jump into a CRM because if you don't, uh, you probably won't make it through the, the curve that it takes to get the real value out of the CRM. And, and the simplest pain that people tend to feel is they're overwhelmed with their day and things start slipping through the cracks. So whether it's they were supposed to follow up with a customer and they didn't, or whether there was a chance to have closed a deal 
that they didn't close because they didn't follow up at the right time. Those are the pain points that generally make people go, hmm, I wonder if I should take the time to have a CRM. And so it's really just simply, are things slipping through the cracks or could you be more effective if a few more things could be done more organized? No doubt. And I would tell you from my own personal experience, you know, I started selling even before the internet and my bag frequently was filled with scraps of paper and, you know, information written on the back of receipts and things like that, where I was doing my best to try to capture things that I needed to do and add to a to-do list, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, for those of us who have been in business for an extended period of time, you know, uh, the tool, the paper tool that many of us used to use that CRM might replace is the good old Franklin planner. And, you know, for those of us that uh, have been around for a while, those Franklin planners were indispensable. But in many instances, it was very difficult to try to keep all of the information that one had to try to gather from an account perspective in one place, even with something that did fit the bill like a Franklin planner. But, you know, Every salesperson that I ever met, if you had a chance to peek into their Franklin planner, you know, no two people use them the same. And in many instances, I think we all suffered from that uh, dread that we felt around knowing that maybe there was something that we should have done that we didn't do. And like you said, there's no worse kick in the stomach feeling than making a phone call to a prospect and realizing that you're a little bit late in their decision-making process because you didn't do a good enough job of scheduling yourself for follow-up. So yeah, yeah. absolutely from a pain perspective, you know, depending on what role you serve within an organization, there might be a number of different reasons why you might need a CRM tool, but typically there is some sort of pain that is definitely going to well, push you over the edge. Well, in fact, most people use uh, Outlook pretty well today, much like um, they used to use their Franklin planners, at least for keeping basic appointments. So I know almost every salesperson out there uses their Outlook calendar or Gmail calendar to make their appointments. And if you stop and think of the value about that, that makes your day very productive because you know tomorrow at 2 I'm meeting with Dale, I think about it, I'm going to prepare for it, I don't make other plans. Well, we limit that only to our most important appointments, and that becomes a bit of a problem because we don't have on most of our Outlook calendars the 10 people we should be following up with tomorrow. And that's really where CRM steps it up. It essentially creates your calendar activity so that you know what you're doing. So that, that's, that's the beauty of taking the pain or not even the awareness of the pain of missing those appointments and applying them to something you're already doing is Outlook. Just look at the calendar and how effective that makes you. And it does require, though, much like your Franklin Planner did, for you to actually take the time to write down uh, data into your Franklin Planner, you have to key that data into your CRM for it to be useful. And it's not just appointments. That's just where I'm starting off with the pain. There's a lot of other value well beyond just keeping your day's schedule. Yeah, and uh, let's touch on that briefly because there, there is a, the notion that perhaps uh, Outlook or Gmail or you know any calendaring function at its most basic might be able to serve some of the same purposes as what a CRM tool might do. But Dale, why don't you touch on maybe where uh, those tools like an Outlook or a Gmail would fall short with respect to what we're talking about from CRM. So for Outlook or Gmail, I think they're a great first step for people who aren't using any CRM at all because it does create some level of discipline for people. Uh, I think it's a good start. Where it starts to fall short though, is when you are working with that contact on a regular basis. And so 
if you're thinking about the, the conversation you and I are having today, maybe we had five calls. We didn't. But if we had have had five calls and I made notes in each of those calls prior to this conversation, I could have wrote down in the uh, activity log all the different conversations we had. I could have noted that your son uh, plays hockey and what year he's in in hockey. And then when we first started the conversation, I could have asked you how your son is doing in hockey because all of that is right there in front of me. Uh, so it's, it's looking at the whole customer, not just a calendar, not just a follow-up. It's seeing the, what the, the cliche is, the 360-degree view of your customer. And it's not just the uh, contacts we've had. It's what have I sold you or what have you purchased from me or what was our last email what are the different pieces that I know about you? What are your logos? All of that shows up in your customer relationship uh, management record. No doubt. And I think, you know, that for me, from my own personal perspective, that really what you touched on right there is literally the difference because each of those uh, calendar, calendaring functions that we described, uh, be it Outlook, Gmail, or really any calendaring tool that somebody might be using there is the task function in there as well. So you can, you can record tasks. It's sort of the replacement for the to-do list that used to go into that Franklin Planner where you could sort of write down the things that you knew that you were going to need to have to do <clears throat> for the day. But the difference was, or at least in my mind, the difference is with a CRM is your calendar function and your task list don't work together. So... If you have a task that's assigned to you that's specific to a certain account, there's no way for you to then be able to go back and review the information specific to that account that that task is linked to so as to give you the best possible representation of what you might say that it would be the most effective around the account when it comes to that particular task. Yep, I would agree with that. Okay, so uh, my wife is also in sales. And she and I frequently will put our heads together when it comes to our accounts and the different opportunities that we're working on. It's kind of an interesting scenario. It's not very often where you see spouses other than maybe Mark and Catherine Graham who are working together on a day-in and day-out basis. But um, my wife has a little bit of a phobia when it comes to CRM tools. And most frequently, the complaint that I hear from her is that CRM is nothing more than what she calls, quote, a digital babysitter. So let's talk a little bit about that and maybe why that might be a bit of a fallacy. All right. Well, um, it may be a bit of a fallacy, but there's also some truth to it, and it, it depends on uh, how it's implemented. And let's just take for a single person who doesn't have a boss. They're their own boss. Uh, it is a bit of a digital babysitter if you let it be. It's your own digital babysitter. It keeps you honest. It, it makes sure that you uh, don't burn your hand on the stove. It makes sure that you get to eat on time and, and go to bed on time. It, it gives you that ability. You can choose to ignore it just like you can choose to ignore the babysitter. But in fact, it's there to help you. So it is a bit of a digital babysitter for you as an individual. Where it does get challenging is when you have a sales manager who is using it as a tool to uh, reprimand rather than help. And so that's where they, they get a big challenge. And I remember when I initially put in a CRM at ASI, Prior to that, there was no CRM for salespeople or customer service. And that became a, a big concern they all had. Well, they were, are you going to start watching how many calls? Are you going to start 
grading me on my performance based on the calls. And, you know, frankly, that's part of what you have to do in a sales management position. But that wasn't the purpose of the CRM. That was going on without the CRM. The CRM was to help them do a better job and help them be more effective. But there was a tremendous amount of resistance. So prior to rolling it out to the sales force, uh, at that time, one of the departments that I ran was the technical support group and the customer service group. And so we started logging in all of our contacts with clients from a support perspective. So by the time the salespeople got in there, they were now exposed to information that they weren't seeing before. So if their client was having problems with a piece of software, when they went to make that renewal phone call, they knew that that client was either happy or unhappy, where prior to that, they would complain, why didn't you tell me they were unhappy? And so, yes, it can be a digital babysitter, but it is used properly and, and implemented properly it's very valuable. And, you know, if you have a manager who is going to say, I'm going to grade you if you don't put your pipeline in and all of this, it's not going to be as much fun, but you can still get a lot out of it. And I would encourage people who do have a manager who's not implementing it well to take advantage of the upside. Yeah, no doubt. So I guess there's a couple pieces of, uh, of valuable takeaways from that when it comes to that part of the discussion. So one, if you're a sales manager, don't start from the perspective of trying to make it be a management tool per se. In my perspective, I think the real benefit for sales management when it comes to um, analysis of information in a CRM is really meant to be more of a diagnostic tool to help a salesperson where, let's say if you're evaluating someone's pipeline and you realize that the sales rep has a really strong ability to be able to get people into the top of the funnel. So get somebody interested in your product or service, but that there's a significant drop off between prospects and actual opportunities, then that sales manager can sit down with the sales rep and coach and counsel them and provide them maybe some additional training on that specific part of their job, of being, Excellent. Being, Excellent point. being able to move more opportunities or more prospects into the opportunity phase of the funnel by diagnosing where that problem may be. And without entering that information into a tool, there's really no way for that sales manager to understand that that's where the sales rep is struggling. And even more importantly, I, I can remember from my own experience dating back to prior to CRMs, it sort of became a sticking point between me and some of my sales managers if I wasn't having the kind of success that they were looking for. I may have told them from my own perspective that that's where I was struggling, but the data is really what's necessary in order to reinforce that for the sales manager. So it's really, really important. And then secondarily, from the salesperson's perspective, all I ever hear from everyone in today's society is, we're all so busy, 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 busy. I don't have enough time to do things. And if you commit to entering the information into a tool, when you come in in the morning, it actually sort of, when you open up your computer, the CRM tool will tell you the activities that you really need to perform on this day. So instead of you sitting at your desk for the first 45 minutes sort of puzzling over what you might do that day, it allows you to become far more productive because the tool will direct your behavior pretty much on a day in and day out basis. So the two takeaways I would say there is sales managers, please don't be onerous if you're gonna make this decision. And secondarily, salespeople, if you commit to entering the information, 
there'll be some period of pain for you as you're learning how to do what it is that you're doing. But there's still no better time to get information down about what you need to do to move a sales cycle forward than in that very moment that you've had a, a contact with your prospect. So between those two things, I think it has the opportunity to be really, really valuable. Yeah, I want to touch on two things you said there. Um, number one, I want to go back to Outlook again because we, you mentioned people spending the first 45 minutes of their day trying to figure out what they're going to do that day. And, in fact, many people use Outlook as their task list. And it works pretty well just to have their number of emails and they run through them. But that becomes pretty inefficient over time. But it is very much like that where the system comes up and tells you this is what you're supposed to work on today. And much like you do with your email, you can choose to ignore it or not. So that's number one. Number two, I want to comment on that piece, though, because one of the things that I see people do when they launch a CRM is they start scheduling everything. They make a phone call, and they're going to follow up again in a week. And then the next thing they know, five or six weeks later, they've got 50 phone calls to make on Monday, and they get to 10 of them. They snooze, and now the next day they got 60. The next day it's 70. And eventually they, they just give up because there's too much. So the other piece of advice I would give to people is, only schedule calls that are really important to you until you get the hang of it. You can always make more calls. You can always go back and look at the history of people you've called and decide you want to follow up because you left a message. But schedule the actual valuable calls so that you complete them. Otherwise, you will end up with 50, 60, 70, and eventually hundreds. And that's, I've seen that happen where everything gets snoozed, nothing gets done. Uh, there's no faster way to watch someone wanting to adopt CRM, abandon it, than what you just described. It, Absolutely. It, it's sort of like strategic planning sessions. You and I have both been on uh, boards of directors and you'll get into a strategic planning session and everyone will get crazy excited about ideas. And you go back and look at sort of uh, the, the list of things that the board wants to do. And it's so front loaded and completely unobtainable because of the enthusiasm that everyone had over what they were trying to accomplish. CRM is no different. You're exactly right, Dale. I've seen that so many times where you know, uh, the two weeks from the first day of someone using the tool, they've got so many follow-up tasks scheduled for themselves that they literally like just walk away from the thing uh, exasper exasperated and frustrated over it. So that's, that's a very valuable point. Good catch there. So uh, let's, let's kind of talk about for somebody, so maybe we've done a good job of convincing someone. Maybe they're giving some thought to like, hey, these guys seem like what they're saying makes sense to me and I want to maybe think about doing this, but I'm a small business person. I'm, you know, I've got a lot of activity that I've got to take care of today that don't afford me the opportunity to sort of stop the presses, if you will, and make the time and perhaps financial commitment to uh, adopting a CRM. What would be your advice for someone that if we've done a good job of convincing them, what would be a great first step for them? Well, um, you know, I, I thought about this a little bit and my reaction is that I would find the simplest tool that they could find to, to use, and that usually involves where their order management is. So I'll give an example at Geiger. We build real basic CRM features into our order management tool because if you're placing orders, that's a great place to see the order history and make your follow-up phone calls and things like that. But we don't build a full-fledged CRM. We're not talking about a full-blown uh, my favorite full-blown for, for entry level for people out there is something called Insightly, and it's got a ton of features, uh, and it works really, really well. We don't go that far because most people don't take advantage of all those pieces. So finding the right CRM, I, I think Sage has CRM built into Sage, um, 
especially if you're using Sage for order management, you know, you want to take wherever you already are and use that. But if you don't have a tool or you don't like the tool that comes with whatever your order management is, find one that works for you, like Insightly, uh, or maybe one that uh, Act is very popular forever, but I, I think Insightly is, is one of the better ones out there um, that's free. And just work with that and work with it on a small set of your top 100 customers or maybe your top 100 prospects. Use it as a prospect-only system. Just take one piece of your business that you want to get organized and focus on that. And if you are looking at it from a prospect standpoint, that's where an Insightly or something else really pays off because you don't have to worry about having the order history and such out there. So pick a small aspect, succeed with that, and then build off of that success. And finding the right tool for you is the, the first step to do that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Dale, I, I hadn't thought about it until you had brought it up uh, during the discussion, but maybe one of the ways that you could uh, adopt a CRM that would be slightly easier and maybe even potentially more valuable to the organization over time would be to start with a non-selling function implementation of a CRM tool so that by the time that you migrate the sales force onto the tool and start to implement it from a sales perspective, it's got the data loaded from the existing customer base so as to allow the sales force to see how another department, uh, billing, collections, customer service, uh, customer support, by loading that information into the tool in advance of the salespeople using it, it might actually smooth that transition for the salespeople instead of making them be the tip of the spear. You know, frequently, if there's any complaint from the sales force within an organization, from my perspective, it's they're always sort of the ones that have to take on the new responsibilities first. So if you flip that paradigm and you're able to add that customer information into the tool so that you're presenting a, um, a more 360 customer record like you described, it might actually... Uh, inspire some confidence from the sales team to want to then add their own information into the tool. And then maybe you could start to add prospect information in so that you're, uh, instead of turning it from being a hammer, you're using it so that it turns more into more of a tool that the salespeople would be excited in using. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, great, man. You know, t I guess, uh, like we said, we'll see if uh, we get any positive feedback, but certainly... You and I have agreed that if there's anyone listening to the podcast that wants to learn more, if they have specific questions about things, both you and I have agreed that we would make ourselves available to any listener when it came to any questions on this particular topic, no? Absolutely. Well, Dale, it's Friday. We know that uh, Bill Petrie likes his adult beverage of the week, so we'll get to see what he's going to be drinking here a little bit later in the day. But I'm so thrilled and grateful that you were able to spend this time with me, and we will talk again soon. All right. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Roger. Thanks, Dale.